Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, wherever you are. I see a bunch of people in the chat talking. It's all different kinds of times wherever you are around the world. But thank you for joining us this morning, at least where I'm at, uh, for another episode of the What's Up webcast. If you guys have never been here before, welcome. Uh, the What's Up webcast does take place every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. We cover everything from what's up into the night sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks um, to add to your uh, observing uh, abilities. And then, of course, the last Friday of every month, we have a special guest on to talk and hang out with us. So uh, welcome. Um, if, you've, if you're joining us for the first time, uh, we're glad to have you here. If you've been here before, welcome back. Happy Friday. Um, if you like what we do here, you can go ahead and uh, subscribe to our channel. Uh, what this will actually help with is as we post new content, you'll be alerted about that. Uh, we just posted pretty much all of, or I'm sorry, scheduled all of the upcoming webcasts through June. So all of the episodes are up and uh, you'll see what's coming up over the next uh, three months or so. Um, all those are ready to go. Uh, so we're excited to have that. Lots of cool people, lots of cool topics uh, that we'll be covering in the next few months. And of course, if there's a topic that you want us to look into or maybe we haven't thought about, uh, go ahead and email us at support at skywatcherusa.com and just title it What's Up. That way we know it's about the webcast and we'll be happy to take a look at it. So uh, always looking for new ideas uh, coming up. So. Uh, thank you very much for everybody who has written in and of course just everyone for hanging out with us and making the webcast as good as it's been so uh thank you all for spending your friday mornings with us so this week's episode is one that i really enjoy it's probably my specialty um and of course that's outreach and what we're talking about with outreach of course is you know sharing astronomy and all that fun stuff with public or whoever um, it doesn't have to be the public uh, but whoever so that's what we're going to be talking about today um, I know things are a little strange when it comes to interacting with people right now um, so of course a lot of this can be applied later hopefully later this year once things start to level out a little bit um, and into next year but there's some stuff in there that might be helpful if you're trying to do outreach right now um and the age of social distancing and all that fun stuff as well so kind of having to adapt interacting with groups of people right now so anyway um so some of you that are watching might already be into outreach you might already know some of this some of you might be interested in it maybe you want to go out and share your telescope this is kind of just an all-around my experience with outreach and hopefully that some of these points can help you with your events or give you some ideas or anything like that. So take what you will from it. So again, outreach. Um, outreach is really just sharing our interest with the local community. And that, that doesn't have to be any particular group either. Um, I find that a lot of people uh, have a general interest in astronomy altogether. It doesn't really matter the age group or where you're from or any of that. Um, 
everyone that I've ever gone out to do an event, um, someone there is generally interested. Now that interest may be small and it may be big, but and all everything in between, but um, I find that most people have some kind of small interest in the night sky and they are generally interested in what's up there. So if you have something to share, then there's generally a group of people out there that they want to know about that stuff. So, and astronomy is really something that people of all ages can enjoy. And astronomy outreach doesn't just have to be, you know, oh, you went to a school or you went to a library and did something. Astronomy outreach is all the way through. Um, in my opinion, I've done outreach for kindergartners all the way up to experienced astronomers because a lot of times there's always something new you can learn there's always a new object that you can see and it it never stops so that's kind of the, the thought about it if if you have a big job or something like that at a dark sky site and people come over to look through it in my opinion that is a form of outreach because you're you're sharing um your passion or your interest in astronomy with others in the community so it's a very broad term in my opinion now like i said even experienced astronomers can learn from outreach events you know i've seen many objects for the first time at star parties from people who have been very open with their equipment and telescopes um again i think that's a form of outreach because you are sharing your interests with others and you really never know what that's going that little seed that you plant is going to produce as far as someone's interest you know maybe you were never into astrophotography and you went to a star party and you were talking to someone nearby and saw what they could do wow i'm interested in this now or maybe you've never maybe you've been into imaging and you thought visual was just whatever i know there's people that do that too and you saw someone with a job and you're like wow this is really neat i can do something while i'm imaging or whatever um it's it's a very wide variety of stuff but outreach never stops we never stop learning about our interest and if you think you know everything about it then you should take a look in the mirror and realize there's always going to be something new to learn there's always going to be some object you haven't seen or imaged before you know, there's always something you can learn out there, especially when it comes to space. Uh, it's unlimited, practically. So there's always something to learn about. Um, and of course, I just mentioned that. But if you're passionate about something, about your craft, then go out and share it. It really doesn't even matter if we're talking astronomy. That's just one topic. That's the interest of mine and many of us watching. That's our interest. But, you know music art you know whatever you're into as long as it's not hurting anybody um and you're passionate about that go share it with people because it's generally a better positive light in the world to share that energy um with the world and introduce someone to something they may have never thought about before or open their perspective to something more and that's the great thing about outreach of any kind but astronomy has a very unique way of doing that altogether so that's just kind of my perspective of outreach now for me 
I like to break down outreach into a couple different segments. And this is how we're going to break down today's, um, um, oh, what, let's see, this us go back, we've, we've got some time today. Uh, this is a Skywatcher Esprit 150 on this mount, and this is a Software Bisque Paramount Mighty, um, clear anodized Paramount Mighty. There's only two of these silver Mighties. One of them's in California, and I have the other one. Um, right here. Uh, we did it because I like to do a lot of solar outreach and I tend to bake the anodizing off of my mount. So Bisque did a silver version that I don't have to fade. So anyway, that's that's what's on there. Uh, so here's how we're going to break down today a little bit. Um, outreach groups, event planning, equipment, and safety. Uh, those are kind of the four major brackets of outreach in my mind that I like to break it down when I've done talks in the past. Um, you know, it's all about those four tiers, and that's what we're going to kind of work within uh, today. So hopefully that brings something for you guys. So. so let's start with outreach groups. So probably the biggest, the easiest, the most accessible way of getting out and doing outreach is through astronomy clubs. Now, astronomy clubs can be found all over the place. There's probably one in almost every city. So if, if you are just getting into astronomy and you're looking for a group to be a part of, uh, look up astronomy clubs in your area. It's generally a good group of people out there. Many people in astronomy are willing to share their interest. They want to share their interest with you, and that's what these clubs are about. So um, getting to be a part of a club can be very positive because it's generally a well-established thing already. So it's a great outlet for astronomy programs or any interest in astronomy, mind you. Um, many clubs have like a little group within them that do outreach. I understand outreach is not something that everyone enjoys doing, um, but generally most clubs have little bubbles or pockets of people inside of them that specialize in certain things. So a lot of the clubs I'm aware of, like the Tucson Astronomy Club here in Arizona, um, they have a little group within the club that likes to go do outreach. And then they have like an imaging group and what on, whatever, you know, there's generally little pockets of people and, you know, subgroups within the club that are good for different interests. So that's kind of the cool thing about astronomy clubs is if you have an interest, you'll probably find people with similar interests within that uh, group of people. So, um, and obviously it depends on how big the club is that will uh, dictate how elaborate those groups can be. There are some clubs that have a incredibly well-established uh, outreach group or imaging group or whatever the interest group is. Um, some of the larger clubs um, are highly impressive. Um, they might even have their own outreach observatory. I know the East Valley Astronomy Club here in Phoenix, they have their own observatory that they share um, with the public once a month when the world is normal. Um, but there's a lot of clubs that have stuff like that. So clubs are a good way to start. Look up your local club if you wanna get involved with doing some kind of anything astronomy related. If you're looking for a group, start local with your clubs. 
Um, if you want to do outreach, you know, get involved in that club and see if they have an outreach group in it already or get involved. A lot of clubs have generally, again, this is when the world is generally normal and we're not under a massive pandemic and we're, we're getting there. Um, it's a great outlet to, to get out and share stuff with people. And again, clubs are generally well established. They have a big backbone um, built into them. Most of them are a 501c3 nonprofit, which helps a lot. They probably have some form of insurance, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, um, which is important for some places. Um, you know, they, they have a, a following on social media. There's just a lot of the groundwork is already laid with astronomy clubs. So it can be helpful if you just want to get involved and do your own, um, do your thing with outreach with a group, getting involved with a club is generally the easiest outlet because a lot of the foundation is already there. Now, the other option, of course, is you can start your own program. Now, starting your own outreach program is a lot of work because that foundation that's usually there with a club or a, a group isn't there. You have to lay a lot of that yourself. Um, I did this with my own program in 2011. It's called Focus Astronomy. Some of you might follow it on social media and stuff like that. Um, I started my own outreach program in 2011. Um, again, called Focus. You can go look that up if you want. Um, the cool thing about running your own program is it really allows you total control of what you're trying to get across to people. Um, a lot of stuff with clubs, and this is in no way a knock to a club, is there's a lot of politics that happens inside of a club. And that's what happens when you get a large group of people together. And not everybody's going to carry the same interests um, of certain groups. So, and that's okay. That's just what happens with stuff like that. But um, if you have a particular vision on what you are trying to uh, get across or share with people or you feel like there might be a gap somewhere that you think you could fill with your, your program or your thoughts and ideas on something, building your own program is doable. And it's not that hard, but it does require some effort. There are other people who have done this as well. Of course, our friend Stephen Ramsden um, from the Charlie Bates Solar Astronomy Project. He's taken it to really like the pinnacle of what it can be done. But another fine example of having your own program is that you can really specialize in your particular area of interest. Now, Stephen loves the sun. He loves doing solar. You know, he doesn't really do much nighttime work. I mean, he has the gear to do it. He does mess with it. But his main outlet for astronomy outreach is solar astronomy. And he's really honed in on making that his signature, at least. And he's grown it into this massive worldwide group um, to make it even more elaborate. But because he has his own program, it allows him to get the particular messages that he wants to portray across better and particularly if you've got something so specialized such as the sun um so that's that's also something to consider um another gentleman you guys might be aware of out in new york his name's jupiter joe he's a good friend of ours um again big outreach guy does a lot of stem um and for space exploration all through new york he does sidewalk astronomy 
Um, kind of the similar style to the, the San Francisco sidewalk astronomers uh, with like John Dobson and stuff like that. Same kind of overall mentality where you're out just doing the guerrilla astronomy um, as what my friends call it. Um, where you're just out there sharing with passerbys and that's kind of a cool way to do things too but again he has his own style of what he's looking to do and sometimes that that vision that you might have or that goal that you want to achieve with your outreach uh, message might not fit in the framework of other groups and that's fine but that means that it just might take more effort on your part to establish that framework for what uh, message you're trying to pull across. So again, it doesn't even need to be a group is something else that you want to think of. And what I'm going by this is, you know, YouTube. Uh, social media has a massive capability nowadays. Um, there's a lot of people on Instagram that are doing photos. Um, that could be a form of outreach. YouTube is a massive form of outreach. I mean, what we're doing right now, the What's Up webcast is a form of outreach. We're just sharing knowledge about whatever, and whoever wants to watch it or hopefully get something out of it, um, that is a form of outreach. Some other people that you might be well aware of, of course, is Trevor Jones from Astro Backyard, Helena from Helena's Astrophotography. She's out in, I'm gonna get crap for that. Um, I think she's in Scotland. I'm sorry if I didn't get that right, Helena. Um, and then of course you have Dylan O'Donnell from Star Stuff. And then you have like Chuck's Astro and um, Nebula Photos. You have Nico over there. You know, there's a ton of different people now who have YouTube outlets um, and channels doing their form of outreach. And that that's another way that you can go out and do things like that. And that's kind of a, particularly in this day and age, um, having something on YouTube removes those geographic barriers. Um, so you have to kind of go out and... On a regular outreach event, of course, you have to figure out, you know, where are you going to go, where are you going to set up, what's your location, all that fun stuff. Where YouTube removes those barriers, and you can just do it when it when it fits your schedule. And of course, there's no limit globally on where it wants to go. Um, Focus is my program, pretty much solely. I have some really awesome friends that come out and help me when they can. Um, I also have several other groups in the Phoenix area that I help out with um, when times are normal. Uh, one of them I, that I learned pretty much everything I know from um, Stargazing for Everyone in Phoenix. Uh, shout out to Tony and Jim and everyone over there. Some of you are probably watching. Um, they were a big uh, thing, still are right now. Um, and then, of course, the local astronomy clubs. I've worked with a couple of other observatories around the Arizona, you know, Mount Lemmon Sky Center down in Tucson. Shout out to Alan over there um, and all that kind of fun stuff there. So, but uh, thank you, Nico, uh, for watching and uh, thanks for uh, correcting me on that. So, but yeah, so if you've got a YouTube channel, YouTube's a great outlet to do outreach. It's, there's all different kinds of stuff that we can do and we'll be talking about that uh, today. Now, 
moving on um event planning is the second uh bullet point when you're doing outreach and it's a big one especially nowadays there's a lot to consider there's a lot of weird things we have to navigate right now with a pandemic going on to how we maintain outreach and stuff like that so all that aside let's just talk about when things aren't crazy um how do we do it so of course the first thing probably the most important thing is location as with anything location 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 um i find the best way to do outreach is you have to go where people are going to be um i like doing art walks uh we have this thing in phoenix arizona called first fridays it takes place the first friday of every month um generally if i try to go out there um it's a very eclectic group of people out there it is the worst possible night sky you can see light pollution is terrible generally we're set up under a street light but there are thousands of people there um and it is the most unlikely spot to put a telescope but we have hundreds and hundreds of people look through those scopes every night i on average when we do that event we get about 2,000 people through our area for the couple hours that are there um I like doing those. I call them high impact um, events because you go there and for the same amount of time that you could do something, another event, you get a ton of people coming through your area. So art walks, I've done several of them. Those are really cool. Um, if you're into solar astronomy with the sun, find, find a farmer's market. I've done farmer's markets before. I've done science festivals before, uh, art walks, you know, whatever um but solar astronomy is a great way to do it because it's something that takes place during the day um unless you have some evening events like first fridays here in phoenix that takes place at night um you know just pick time when the moon is up or something like that but people really get a kick out of it um like i said outdoor events any kind of outdoor event you know there's all kinds of expos that are going on and if you're an educational program that's a great way to get out and give exposure for your program even if you're a club if you're trying to grow your your outreach endeavor and bring people to you find those large events it really makes it easy some of them it's probably paid for a space if you're an education program a lot of times i've seen them waive the fee or reduce the fee if you're trying to do something like that but large events um people really gravitate to things that are unusual and when you put a big freaking telescope in the middle of a crowd people are really interested in what you're doing um first off they're probably going to ask if there's an eclipse odds are it's not um but it gets people's interest so you know get out there share it when things are normal um local coffee shops are another cool place um my friend Richard Wright, um, who's worked for Software Bisque, we've had him on the uh, webcast before. Um, he does um, a uh, something at a coffee shop. Um, he calls it uh, Cosmos and Coffee, and I think that name is secured by them, so don't try to take it. Um, but they do something like that. They they've done. When, again, all this is generally when things are normal, but they find local Starbucks or coffee shop or whatever, and they go out and they set up in the parking lot for a couple hours, and they, it's actually like a thing. 
um, where it's all set up at this point. And hopefully once the world returns to normal towards the end of the year, those will kick back up again. Um, air shows are another one. I've done several air shows. I forgot about them. I should have post, post, uh, put them in the presentation. Air shows are awesome. Um, the reason why air shows are cool is because you have a lot of technically minded people already going. They already love aerospace and aeronautics and they're fascinated with flight. So you already kind of have this group of people that's already in kind of this frame of mind that they're interested in something technical. So astronomy being technical and generally closely related to aerospace and physics and all that fun stuff those are those go hand in hand um, really well those are generally very large events that you can go do um, multi-day events and it's just a great way to again reach out to the public um, or wherever you're going to be but another high impact um, event so yes uh, art walks outdoor events local coffee shops air shows, stuff like that. Um, keep an eye out for that stuff around your community when things level off. Um, we get back to the normal world and, you know, those are great events to do things. Um, this one comes up a lot. I've been to a lot of meetings with groups and dark skies come up quite a bit. Um, dark sky events are rare. And people generally don't want to drive far to a remote site down a dirt road. We've all seen that horror movie before. It never works out for them in the car. So people don't generally want to drive out to some remote site. Um, so you hosting a remote dark sky site, uh, star party is going to be difficult, especially if you're doing public events. It's just, it's generally not in the cards and it makes people uncomfortable. Um, there are exceptions to this. Um, some places are easier to access than others. Some locations are better supported for that. You know, people don't want to go out where there's no uh, bathroom. They don't want to go out where it's going to be uncomfortable. So it has to be a place that's generally well-suited to host groups like that. Um, a lot of the stuff that I've helped with out here um, and back when I was doing outreach in California, uh, we hooked up with a lot of the local parks, worked with the rangers there, and we were, they're not the super dark skies that we'd like, but they're darker. Um, but we teamed up with them and got things figured out through them and established events there. And the nice thing is, is the local parks can help advertise those events as well. So that's a nice way if you're doing a darker location to find locations that's easily accessible, can be comfortable for people, um, and has a team of people on site like rangers to, to help you work with. Um, the pinnacle of dark sky events is the national park events. Grand Canyon Star Party, Acadia Night Sky Festival, Badlands, um, Zion, um, all the major parks around the United States and maybe beyond that, I, I can't speak for the global uh, community, but national parks here in the US have done a big push on uh, astronomy over the last decade or so. Uh, the, the new topic of course is half the, half the park is after dark. Um, so there's been some amazing 
locations that have opened up. Um, there's thousands of people that go to the national parks. So, and generally they're in very dark locations. So that's kind of the best way to do it. But you'll have to check with the local national park to see they probably already got something. Check how you can get involved with that. Um, Eric in the chat mentioned campsites. Campsites are great as well. Um, you know, sometimes you can even work with the local uh, uh, people who handle the campsite. And maybe you can work out a weekend where it's like, hey, it's our astronomy weekend and blah, blah, blah. You can make it a thing. And it's totally up to you on how that's done. Um, a big thing, and this is what I found out as my program has gotten bigger and you want to start working with larger locations is there are places that are going to need a liability insurance policy. Um, generally about a $2 million insurance policy. That sounds like a lot, but it's actually not a ton of money um, to have uh, for your program. It's just covering you in case someone gets hurt, all that fun garbage that we have to deal with in this world. It's just part of the red tape of getting a bigger program um, and maintaining it to make sure you are covered if anything happens. But as you get bigger, you're going to have to talk about doing insurance policies. That's just how it goes. This is the advantage of being a club or a larger outreach program is a lot of them have that groundwork already laid. You don't have to worry about it because it's done. Um, but if you're doing your own event, you're going to have to think about it. Some of the parks might have their own liability insurance, so just think about that. It's not something I found to be a problem with smaller things. A lot of places it's not a big deal, but as you get bigger, there are some venues that you might want to access that might be interested in your program, but because of how things work, particularly if you're working with a city, um having that insurance policy is probably going to be a thing to really help it also becomes a thing if you wanted to start doing a lot of schools on a bigger level um something to think about so just fyi that's that's what happens um this is a big one that comes up a lot and i've seen it happen at a lot of different events these events are about your attendees not your observing needs so you wanting to view some 15th magnitude galaxy in your DAW by yourself in the middle of nowhere, you need to go do that at a star party for you and your group. If you're going to be at an outreach event, you need to be a represent. You are a representative of astronomy as a whole. If you're going to be rude or unfriendly or um, unwelcoming to people, you're going to give people this bad impression about astronomy and they're not going to want to get involved with things and they're not going to want to be a part of it ever. I've seen it happen multiple times. Um, I know it's really easy to, you've got your equipment out there, it's expensive, you have little hands touching everything, uh, deal with it. That's how it works in outreach. You need to be willing to put up with that. And if it's not your cup of tea, then don't be there. But I've seen um, a, uh, a number of events where people treat it as their own observing session, and it's not. Those should be treated separately. And if you're not going to want to be a part of that, then just don't go to the event. Just go do a star party with your buddies. That's fine. It's But they should be separated. Again, you are representing all of us in astronomy and how cool this hobby can be and we want more people to get involved but you need to be open and friendly and willing to share with people um your your passion and your your interest in this and 
if that's just not going to be your thing or you don't think you can handle that in a positive way or you're worried about people, you know, messing with your stuff, just don't go. Yeah, you're going to get fingerprints on your eyepiece. I have fingerprints all over my Nagler's and Ethos eyepieces. I've had people touch the lenses of my telescope. My four-year-old has a face or a palm print in the middle of my Esprit 150. It'll eventually get cleaned off. Um, it's not a big deal. It's okay. So, and that actually brings us to the next topic, equipment. Um, of course, we love talking about gear. All I work for a telescope company. We talk gear all day long. And who doesn't like talking about gear? I mean, our best episodes here on the live streams are about equipment. So yeah, equipment is awesome. But when it comes to outreach, it doesn't matter. Um, people don't care how big your telescope is, how much it costs, you know, how crazy it is. They don't care, period. Um, I will tell you that larger telescopes will get more attention. Uh, they generally have bigger lines because they, they're bigger. People think bigger is better. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you bring out. Um, it, it just doesn't. Because people don't really understand what the difference is between the telescopes. They just think bigger is better and that's it. But the biggest thing is that you yourself being out there, you make the event interesting. Um, people find out really quickly who takes command of that event and who knows what they're talking about. And I find at the end of the day, end of the evening, um, you still have groups of very interested people floating through the telescopes and you'll find the ones that probably are have the most um, welcoming persona and have a, a good handle of their group have these little bubble of people floating around and it could be with a tiny little three inch telescope it's just that that person makes it interesting um the telescope is just a tool in the toolbox i have racks of telescopes in my garage but it doesn't matter what you bring out it's just you know make it fun make it a thing if you're excited about it others are going to be excited about it too people feed off of that energy um and that's really what makes that experience a thing. Um, that's what it is. It's an experience. You're providing an experience to people. So if you just say, here's the moon, next. Okay, great, that's cool. Why did you bring this big old freaking telescope out in the middle of nowhere to show people? Like, it took some effort. So, you know, it's okay. Like, make it fun. Make it interesting. It's all... It's all good, but they're there to be a part of an experience. You're bringing an experience. Whatever telescope you brought out, whether it's a three-inch refractor or a 30-inch daub and anything in between, you can make any of that interesting. Um, someone's got a question here. Someone said at one club I belong to said some places put cell phones over the eyepiece for outreach. Yeah, so most of the outreach events that I've gone to, most of the ones that I do, um, we take cell phone pictures all the time for people. Um, we don't use the adapter. It's just, you know, when you've got 300 people in an event, it just takes too long. Uh, my buddy Jim, who's probably watching right now, the master of cell phone pictures. Um, generally, we only do cell phone pictures of the moon. The moon is quick. It's fast. Um, it's easy to do. Um, 
Those are great pictures that allow people to take that experience home and show their friends what a cool night they had. Um, if it's a deep sky object or a planet, it generally takes too long. And it's, you know, maybe at the end of the evening, if they're still floating around, if someone has a cell phone or a camera, um, all that is there. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. This was about uh, like doing like a video or something like that. Yeah, you could do that, um, I suppose. It's just a small screen, so it only really works on the moon, maybe some of the bright deep sky objects, but it's kind of something you have to kind of take as a case-by-case -case thing. Um, generally, how I've done it before is we just do pictures of the moon and we hand it back um, to the owner of the phone. Um, another big thing, and this happens a lot, I've seen it happen at events all the time, where there are... I don't know, five, six, ten telescopes, and eight of them are on the same thing. Um, don't do that. People like seeing what's out there. There's billions of stars and things out there to look at. I know some sites aren't going to allow you to see certain things, but you know, if you're in a bright location, put it on a star. Um, find a planet. Um, so all that kind of stuff um is something that we can uh see out there so if you have multiple telescopes maybe put one or two on the moon if it's a busy night or whatever the popular object is for the night but give them a expanse of things to look at um if you've got a bunch of telescopes they're all pointed to the same things then whatever um it just makes it boring you run through it real quick and then it's over um you have multiple telescopes, multiple objects a night. So it, it just makes it better. Uh, Eric's got a comment. Cheaper used eyepieces are fine for outreach. Beginners don't see the difference between a bazillion dollar eyepiece or a used $50. That's mostly true. Um, most of them won't see the difference. But if you have telescopes separated from each other, or multiple telescopes and you have one with a little plossal eyepiece and one with a wide field eyepiece that like makes the telescope disappear people notice um that's why i like using the wide field stuff like the naglers and the ethos and stuff like that but it's something you yourself have to be comfortable with using and sharing with others so um that's totally up to you on eyepieces um i only have one set that's what goes out so um that's my perspective on it. A big one, and we're gonna spend some time on this one, imaging. Imaging has really advanced over the last several years. Um, and people love technology. You know, everyone's got a phone. Everyone's experiencing the world through their phone. So people love tech. And they're already out there to see something nifty with astronomy and then blending it further with you know, crazy cameras and all kinds of high-end equipment, it gets interesting. And of course, you know, people always want to know, how do I take a picture of this? So um, bringing out an imaging setup um, can be really cool. And a lot of these new programs can do live stack. SharpCap can do live stack. SkyX from Software Bis can do live stack. ASI Errors can do live stack. Um, where it just takes a bunch of images as the camera and incorporates them and stacks them up and gives you a cool image. Um, here's just a couple images that we've done. 
at an outreach event. This is just a live stack, not much processing at all. Let me get my head out of the way. Um, this is just a collection of images taken through one of our live stack uh, telescopes. I know they are not A-pods or anything crazy, but the people who saw these come up on the screen were blown away that you could see some of this stuff. And that's the cool thing um, that you can do with the cameras nowadays is you can just, it's mind boggling what you can do with some of these cameras now because they're so much more sensitive than anything you could possibly bring out visually. You know, a four inch refractor with a camera doing live stack is gonna be able to show you more detail than any large aperture Dobsonian telescope is going to do visually. That's a lot smaller to do it. So, um, and then of course you can incorporate filters. Um, I like showing people the different narrowband filters and their capabilities because it teaches us about the, uh, the spectrum, like H-alpha, O3, S2, uh, red, green, blue, we can switch through the filters and we can show people how that affects the object and you can teach them how we use imaging in astronomy. So that's kind of a a cool thing that you can do with pretty much any camera nowadays. Um, you used to be able to do it with like the Stellacams and those, those work okay. But the modern day CCD and CMOS cameras are monsters when it comes to what you can do with stuff like that. Um, so live imaging, stacking images on the fly for others to see. You know, usually I have a laptop or you could do it with an ASI Air or whatever. Um, we hook it up to some kind of monitor or a projector. Um, this is like the ultimate social distancing um, pandemic-esque form of outreach. Um, it's also really good for large groups. So you can get like 15 or 20 people nearby. Um, is is awesome um this was the first time we really did i've been testing the live stack stuff for a while um the first time i went out to do this at an event i bought like a little tiny 30 inch not a little tiny one but a 30 inch tv from like best buy or something like that and it cracked the screen was broken as i got it out of the box out in the desert at this uh we have a lake out where we're at um so we went out and did this event the screen broke, couldn't use it. So we asked the local venue, do you have anything? So they lug out this 55 inch LED monitor and we hook it up. This is freaking awesome to be able to show people the horse head on a monitor that is over four feet wide. I mean, the horse head was the size of my hand on the screen and we had people waiting around and generally you're doing bin two by two on the camera and this was with an H alpha filter, 15, 30 second exposures or whatever. And it's just stacking. But, you know, most people aren't going to be willing to wait for a five minute exposure to show up. Um, so you want to make sure your camera is as sensitive as possible and everything's going, tracking's going good. But if you put up like a minute long exposure, that gives you about a minute to really hype up what's going on. You can tell people the detail that they're going to see and that really builds everything up. So when that first shot comes up on the screen and they see that picture of the horse head show up, people freak out um, because you could never see something like that in the eyepiece and it just crushes anything else on the field at that point because it's right there. It's awesome to do. Um, 
It's great for disabled events. Uh, we've had some uh, events out here where we've done groups that have medical issues. They, they can't get to an eyepiece. Um, the live stacking takes care of that completely. Um, and it also allows you to show them objects you could never dream about seeing in the eyepiece. Uh, a big thing I've been doing, I'm gonna probably start doing them again, um, are virtual star parties. Again, this is streaming live on the internet. Um, the cool thing about doing these virtual events is it breaks the geographic limits. Um, the hard part about doing outreach right now, of course, is no one wants to get together because of the pandemic. I get it. Um, but it's also hard to get a group of people to come out to an event. And doing a virtual star party like we're doing right now and streaming that onto, the, onto YouTube or Twitch or Facebook, you can get thousands of people watching on there. People love it. Um, it's a really cool way to do it. It's not difficult at all. You can do it with a basic telescope and a little bit of knowledge on how to do some streaming stuff. But there's a bunch of astronomy clubs that have done it. Lowell Observatory, McDonald Observatory, Mount Lemmon Sky Center. There's several observatories that are doing this too. And it's a great way to build up uh, information and knowledge about your your program and your, and your events. So... Um, that's a great way to expand the live imaging capabilities out to the world as well. And the nice thing about this is you don't ever have to worry about location. You don't have to worry about insurance. You don't have to worry about scheduling any particular venue. You post it online. This is when it starts. Come and join us. That's it. Very easy um, to do. And with imaging, you have unlimited objects. You can practically show any within reason you know we're not going to be going black hole-esque but you can show all kinds of stuff using those cameras so cool stuff uh last thing uh real quick of course is safety um last but certainly not least these are just some things that i have learned from the people i've been with for the last several year i've got i don't even know how long i've been around some of these uh guys and women um Safety is a big deal. Um, we have a lot of expensive equipment. We're in the dark. We might be in a remote location. So we have to think about how to be safe and how to educate people about it. Um, a lot of times when people come to your event, it's the first time they've ever done something like this. They probably don't know how a telescope really works. They don't know what they shouldn't touch. They don't know about you know, night vision, any of that. And I've seen enough events where astronomers will lose their mind um, because someone touched the telescope, someone turns on a white light, blah, 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 blah. Um, and that can be mitigated quite a bit by educating your attendees. And the way you do that is, why don't you do a small presentation as it's getting dark? You're letting your astronomy team get their telescope set up and finalized and aligned. You still need some time. But as things are getting dark, you can actually start to grab your group together, bring them together, and start to do a presentation. You can either do a projector, or you can talk, or you can do whatever, but tell them what they're gonna see for the night. Um, this is my buddy, Tony, um, right over here, right underneath the telescope, um, talking to a group of kids. He printed out some star maps, um, handed those out. He's teaching about what constellations we're gonna see tonight, how to navigate the nighttime sky, um, while the rest of us are still getting our scopes ready to go. So we do it, does a small talk, 
does the presentation. Um, talk about your flashlights, how to use your flashlights. Most of the time people are not going to have red lights. So just teach them why we use red lights. Um, if you are going to have to have your white light on, please keep it down. Um, people are gonna have white lights. Um, there's nothing you can do about it, but never freak out on people. Again, I've seen it enough times at events where someone turns on a white light and one of the astronomers explodes because it's like, ah, the night vision. It's like you weren't looking for anything remotely important anyway, but um, it's an outreach event. People don't know. Um, so don't yell at people because it's really gonna just destroy their experience of astronomy and it's a major turnoff and it will send people away and they won't ever wanna be involved in it again. So just educate people. If you're gonna have your white lights on, point them down, preferably use a red light if you can. Some events, you can even put that in your little advertisement, please bring a red light. Um, some of the larger events like Grand Canyon, they actually have red cellophane that they give to people to make everything red. That's another option you could do. But people don't know. You have to educate people about it because that's why they're coming to you. You're the expert on this. They wanna know what they need to do. You're there to tell them and educate them the proper protocols of being around a telescope. Um, I like using step ladders. Um, as you can see right there, my little, you know, Walmart, whatever it was, step ladder. Um, helps people from touching the telescope. It also gives you something to lean on. You know, it's more comfortable that way. But that's a suit, that's something that really, really helps mitigate problems with people um, all together is that step ladder. And some people might be like, oh, I don't need it. It's like, well, it's actually there to stabilize yourself. And that actually helps you relax and just focus on viewing rather than trying to, you know, get your head in the right spot. So step ladder all the time. A uh, big thing that I've learned is mark all the hazards um, that are going on, um, either with glow tape or red light. Um, this is my buddy Jim's setup before he actually switched to an EQ8. This is a CG Pro, which is gone. We switched up to the EQ8, but he still marks these. Um, these are called night eyes, uh, red lights. They're like uh, those straps you put on your, you know, the slap, I forgot what they're called. Those little slap on bracelets that like click on. Um, they're bike lights, but they actually wrap around your tripod really well. They're also reflective. So if someone's driving around, they reflect back. Um, but night eyes are really cool lights that we like to use for the tripods. Just mark the legs so no one trips on it. Um, that's kind of a fun way to do it. Uh, I am a big believer in glow tape. There's like military grade 24 hour glow tape you can get online, um, big spools of it. And you can mark your counterweights and any trip hazards to make sure. I've had people mash their head into one of my 20 pound counterweights and of course the stainless steel is going to win. So marking those counterweights, especially for the little kids because they're that height that they could smack into the counterweight, um, just mark them. It's, it's kind of a cool way to do it. I also like to mark my balance points on my telescope rather than gouging stuff into the metal. Um, I mark everything in glow tape so I know exactly where everything goes in the dark. So kind of helpful. And then of course ladders. Um, and uh, I mark all my ladders with glow tape as well. Um, back when I had my 20 inch obsession, uh, that's an eight foot 
fault telescope when you're looking through it. I would also say if you have a big daub, I found that anything that's a hundred inch focal length or taller gets a little freaky. People don't like having to step up on a six foot paint ladder if they don't have to. Um, so if you wanna use a big daub, um, I'd probably keep it at a hundred inch focal length or shorter so you can use a six inch ladder, six foot ladder or smaller. Um, anything bigger, it shouldn't be a big problem, but people are going to get uneasy if you go bigger um, with a taller scope. But even with that, even with the 20 inch obsession, um, I had every lat rung on the ladder with uh, glow tape. And everywhere it was glow tape, I would just say, um, you can put your hands anywhere where there's glow tape. And it makes it really easy, especially in dark sky sites, for you to navigate where you need to put anything, uh, where you can grab everything. Cool. Well, that's pretty much it uh, for this week's webcast. Hopefully it was informative. Uh, if you have any questions, go ahead and throw them in the chat. Um, if you like what we, if you like what you saw here and you want to be more a part of it, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. It helps us out. Uh, we are over 3,000 subscribers, so thank you everyone who's been a part of it and helping us grow. Uh, next week is a big episode. A lot of people have been interested in this. We're going to be talking with our buddy Brian. He owns Skies Away, which is a new remote hosting site. Um, we're going to be checking out his new remote facility. You can actually send your telescope there and have him install it and have a remote location. So we will be talking to him on what it's like to set up a remote site. Um, hosting a telescope there and the... Uh, there's a lot of things to consider when setting up a remote site. So uh, definitely join us next week. That's going to be a really uh, cool episode if you've ever been interested in uh, hosting remote uh, locations. And then, of course, if you want to add any swag, um, we do have our Threadless, uh, skywatcher.threadless.com shirt or shop. But we have shirts and all kinds of cool stuff over there you can add to your equipment list. So we're going to be adding some more designs here soon. So definitely come out and check that out if you want to pick up on some Skywatcher swag for to match your equipment. So that is the Threadless Shop. Uh, next week we're going to be talking to Brian, um, again from Skies Away, talking about remote imaging and how to things to consider for that. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it on outreach. I hope some of that's been helpful when things return to normal. Maybe we can get back to doing some of these cool things um, in person. But uh, yeah, if you guys have any final questions, I don't see any. Um, but of course, if I missed anything, you guys can email us at support at skywatcherusa.com. Go ahead and just title it What's Up. I'll be happy to answer any of those questions for you. So um, again, don't see any questions. Uh, just email it over to us at this point. Uh, have a great weekend. Stay safe. Uh, go look at the moon. It's up right now. Um, take some cool pictures and stay safe. Clear skies and we will see you guys next Friday. Take care, everyone.